<clears throat> oh yeah, love coughing. <laughs> Loud into the mic. Yeah. So these kids, right? I'm online. I actually like going up to the ticket booth. These kids in front of me are just being a little rowdy. They're kids. And I just go, don't say Venice. Don't say Venice. Yeah, three for Venice. <laughs> like, all right, we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Ten seconds. And they start talking as the, the the movie starts ten seconds. I go, are we doing this the whole movie or do I have to get somebody? <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> This movie is not starring the benefit of death. <laughs> yeah, no, I just knew it. Sound, speeding, camera, rolling, scene thirty-one. Take three oh three, mark. Welcome to Take Three O Three, powered by Four Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm JP Brooks. We're talking everything film and television. And today, we are talking about Glass Onion and A Haunting in Venice. You forget the movies? I did. I had, They're the same movie. I thought it was Haunting in Glass Onion and A Death in Venice. And I'm like, that's not it. But first, in cinematic news. Cinematic news. There's a campaign for Barbie to uh, go for the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Which is causing controversy for a reason that you wouldn't even think is the controversy. It's a controversy that it's not original, but keep going. Well, that that's controversy. <laughs> yeah. okay, so you, you figured it out. I figured it out. Oh, what a shocker. It's not original. It's based on a toy, so it, they're saying it should be adapted screenplay. But I have bigger beef with it. Adapted screenplay, but there's nothing about the toy necessarily that has anything to do with I guess yeah. they're just saying like because it's from an original IP. When I hear adapted story... I don't know. There's no, like, story or lore. You don't open up a Barbie box. When Barbie was a little... Like, there's nothing like that. So, I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe there is some lore that we don't know about. I just we don't think it's... A, yeah. Elizabeth and Emma back. Yeah, maybe they know. I mean, I just don't think it's an original story, but I want to call it adapted screenplay. What's the... We have the Lando film finally taking off. It's Lando. Uh, Solo? Star huh. Wars? Oh, Lando. Lando. Who's that? He's the um, he's the guy in A New Hope and Solo. He's the black guy, the only black guy in Star Wars, until Mace Windu. Land! Oh, that's like they should have led with the other black guy that's not Mace Windu. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. leave it that. He has made contributions. <laughs> Beyond just wow, Star Wars is all race based. That's how I figure out. It's the guy in the black suit. There's the guy with the black skin, and there's the guy with the purple sword. They're big on colors in Star Wars. How did how did Han Solo the original story go? It didn't go too great. So why didn't? Slap on a couple extra pigments and we think we got something gonna, else. Who's going to tell Disney that they're making the wrong decision, really? Well, everybody except Disney, I guess. <laughs> yeah, everybody, but they're not going to listen. All right. And speaking of Disney, uh, Marvel... Sorry, that's not Disney at all. Uh, and speaking of, in technically superhero news, uh, Aquaman 2, the trailer just dropped. Ah, yes, I saw this. This blew up on my YouTube. I was They were talking more about Amber Heard showing up for yeah. one half second. Because <laughs> um, we thought we got rid of her, but yeah. I don't know if this is going to be good. Uh, James Wan is still the director, so I believe in him. But outside of that, I have no faith in it. I actually kind of enjoyed the first Aquaman. I know some people had some beef with it. Manta Ray being the biggest beef, who just doesn't matter. But Yeah, I enjoyed the first Aquaman. I just didn't think it was like... It's like a... It's an average superhero film. It's fun. Right. But for DC, but that's like fantastic. Average superhero <laughs> movie. Yes, DC, you did it. But today we're talking about murder mysteries, specifically 2022's Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, directed by Ryan Johnson, starring Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, 
Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Bautista. Glass Onion follows a billionaire played by Edward Norton who invites five of his friends during the pandemic to come visit him on his private island in Greece. However, things start to get weird when Benoit Blanc, a famous detective, is also invited and shows up. The billionaire did not invite Benoit Blanc. However, Benoit Blanc services are needed once somebody turns up dead. And that's what this movie is all about. I almost started laughing when you were saying that because it reminded me of Scary Movie 3 when someone uh, shows up missing. Yeah. And how you wake up dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love First initial thoughts. I'm a fan of... Knives Out, the the original. Did you see that one? Yes. Ana de Armas is in that? Yeah. That kind of got her more known here in the States, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was her kind of like breakout movie. Mm-hmm. I love murder mystery films. Uh, Agatha Christie's um, And Then There Were None is one of my favorite films. The 1933-34 version. Yeah, I've seen it. Hey, two for two today. Yeah, man. So uh, I do like murder mysteries a lot. I like Clue. I like puzzles. Uh, I like escape rooms and... A film that's a whodunit is very much like that stuff, trying to figure it out. And we've been talking about breadcrumb movies for a few weeks now, and this whodunits, yeah, they are breadcrumb movies. So initially, I had a lot of fun with this one. I think it's really cool. It's very self-aware. I think a little bit too much this time around. I think it dialed it up a little bit too much with maybe the humor, with the satire. But I think overall, it's a really great film. I, I would agree with you. It That was the one thing I was going to comment on, is the humor. It feels really silly. Um, and this is actually my favorite Daniel Craig character. I like Daniel Craig a lot. I watch some of his other stuff, maybe not as like mainstream. Yo, I'm edgy as hell, bro, Daniel Craig. But I do prefer this character over his Bond character. And his Bond is good. I have no problem with it at all. But I just really like this Benoit Blanc. I think it pushes him. Because you know that it's 100% not his voice, and he does a very good job at it. Yeah, excellent job. There's an ensemble cast here. Who is standing out to you in the in the cast? On the second watch, because I've seen it before, you had not. I have not seen Rare it. Rare occasion where I get to see something Nick hasn't seen, so I like to... It's been on my watch list for a while, so I, I was lucky enough to find a murder mystery to sneak this in. First off, everyone does a great job. Let's start there. My favorite... And I really didn't notice her too much in the first run. But Krista really liked Kate Hudson in this movie. Uh, and her character in particular. And I have to say, she did a really good job. When I watched it the second time, I kind of paid more attention to her. And I, I would have to agree with that. The only other person, I mean, I have to give it to Ed Norton. I like him. He does a great job as a villain. And I, that, mi- yeah. I missed seeing an Ed Norton performance. Yeah. He's just so believable every time he's on screen. Ah, it's crazy. And obviously it goes without saying, I know I'm mentioning a few people here. I think I like Ed Norton the best, but that's just because I hate just picking the main character because I think they have an easier job. So I like picking someone outside. And I've already highlighted Daniel Craig. You really root for him the entire movie. You're with him for it. And I, so I enjoy that. I don't want to be basic and say Daniel Craig does the best job. I did love Edward Norton's performance, but I think for me, the... The one that stuck out the most was Janelle uh, Monet. Yeah, she's the uh, she's the one with the big twist, right? Yeah, yeah. So I figure. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Because it's a murder mystery, so obviously we're gonna spoil it. If you haven't watched Glass Onion, should I say it now? I know we're gonna review a second movie later. I would say watch this before that. So you just saw it today, so I don't know how you feel, but I actually saw both of them today. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. It was a, it was a double feature because uh, it's been a busy time mm. at Fort Wayne Media. Yeah, very busy. 
at Fort Way underscore media. But yeah, Janelle Monet, I thought she was just really great in this movie because when they start revealing certain things about different characters, I had no idea where that was going and how her character would shift over time. And I thought that was just really, really great. I think, and we'll talk about it to get into it. I think my only problem is one, watching a whodunit back to back, very close together, you literally had it. I think the genre can easily wear itself out. That is the big issue. So I feel bad for a haunting in Venice, right? That's what it's called. I have no idea. The Ven- uh, Venice movie. I feel bad because seeing Glass Onion first might have affected. I think also for me, because I saw it like raw, like one after the other. It's brutal. But I will say, even if that's the case, I'm kind of glad I did see them back to back because you start to realize a couple things about this genre, about things that don't work, and how Glass Onion, I think, is the better movie. You're talking about like seeing the tropes and seeing all that replay out. But for me, I think it's like, it's also hard not to compare them. Yeah, very difficult not to. Yeah. We're about what to do, do? You just did it like <laughs> yeah. a second ago. Um, yeah. So, yeah, spoil, uh, if you haven't guessed, yeah. uh, I do like Glass Onion better than A Haunting in Venice. Yeah. Is there a character that you like that not necessarily the performance, you just like the character? Our scientist friend in Glass Onion. It's just a really solid cast. I wish they would have did more with him. So I really like his performance, his portrayal. He was a little goofy in the beginning, I felt, with his like big board meeting. They didn't really lean into that too much. I think that's the one character who I feel like fell into the shadows of the background and he was just kind of there to be there, but not necessarily have like a big part in it. Because everyone else basically has like a strong connection to to the ending, yeah. except for maybe him. He's just like tacked on. Yeah, and I feel like he's the one who still directly deals with our villain the most. Yeah, he's really just there to deliver that little fun fact about like to back up what the the crystal. Did you love the little twist with whiskey being like, highly intelligent and like goal motivated like so awesome i forgot about that it was fun to see again yeah that's what i'm saying this is a very fun movie i feel like it's something that you could just like you know pop in and you could watch it but it's definitely still a whodunit where every single thing matters and it's a testament to the writing where the breadcrumbs are everywhere and they make sure to really uh to go back and explore every single part of that. And I love the little cuts where they show you those little throwaway lines that you didn't notice your first time around. And now they're like right there in front. The whole thing was right there in front of you. I love that aspect of whodunits. And that's it. You really, every line matters. Um, Which is why when you watch one first and you go to the second, you're hyper aware of everything. There's only one problem I have with this movie, and we'll talk about it later. And it's about the breadcrumb thing. So just as a reminder. Spoiler alert. Spoiler across the screen. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Favorite scenes. Favorite scenes. uh, Well, it's two. And one of them is because I've watched it the second time. And one of them is the first time. The first time I loved it, I thought they were going to do the super cliche thing of we're gonna have a murder mystery party and then someone gets murdered i would have been so annoyed this movie would have dropped to like a two <laughs> right last time when i first saw it but instead i love that benoit blanc solves it all in 30 seconds to a minute brilliant and way to set up a movie yeah. and like i go what do you do from here uh so that was great because i really don't see the death coming I probably seen the trailer when it first premiered, but I completely forgot everything about it, completely forgot who's in the cast because I didn't expect 
anything. I've always wondered about the passing of the glasses when he passes it mm -hmm. to him to drink. I go, wait, which one is it really? And then when you watch it back the second time, no, you can actually see all the details like you just mentioned. Because I literally, from that moment, I rewound yeah. the movie to see what exactly what it was. What about you? I don't know if it's a, it's a favorite scene, but I just want to highlight a scene. Sure. I completely forgot, not necessarily about the pandemic, but I forgot about how it was portrayed originally and i didn't realize this was a pandemic film or post-pandemic film that was opens like may 2020 i'm like oh that's covid and then i see everybody wearing masks and everything and then ethan hawk is like In there for movie. like one scene <laughs> just to inoculate them and i'm like what is happening right now? And then seeing like Daniel Craig in the opening scene playing Among Us in the tub. And it's like, I remember that life. <laughs> I think my favorite scene is definitely like right at the midpoint when he starts, when we actually see what's happening with Janelle Monet. It's like a string of scenes where they show you what's happening behind other conversations that you saw originally. Yeah, to see the same scenes from a different perspective. I always love those movies. I um it probably started with like jackie brown if you ever seen that one mm -mm. they often go to the flashback or the cut venice does it with black and white or something like that it feels much different the way glass onion does it is there anything not working for you in glass onion yes so here's the thing that's not working for me so you can actually see edward norton's character miles you can see the phone in his back pocket when he gets up you can see him pass the glass. You can see him do a lot of things. You see people, everybody do a few different things. What you can't see, unless you saw it otherwise, I saw it again for the second time. I don't know if there's any way to know that Janelle has a twin sister. Is there any way for the audience member to know that and find out? I don't think there is. No. I know Katherine Hahn says at one point that she has mentioned a sister before. I don't know if there's a sister line somewhere in there. So you wanted that to be planted. At least one clue to lead towards that. I mean, they do say there, hey, there's something up with her, right? They acknowledge it, but there's not necessarily you can pull that from it. But I think maybe they are awkward. We just don't perceive them as awkward because we don't know yeah, necessarily. I guess. She plants the microphone in uh, Kate Hudson's bag and she sits down and they have like that awkward interaction. But the problem is, is we perceive it as like friends that haven't spoken in a long time we don't perceive it as like this could be a different person and in a whodunit movie what's great about it is if you can figure things out is that you could have known if you just paid attention when they reveal all these different lines that were right there and all these different movements that were right there it's so great because it's like ah oh, why didn't i see that why didn't i hear that why didn't i put two and two together i don't know about you but like when i sit down with a whodunit i'm like I want to figure it out like immediately yeah. and I want to guess and put a name in the hat and like say who I think is the killer. I called the Venice killer about 30 minutes in. Okay. Uh, what about Glass Onion? Glass Onion was tough. I could not figure it out. Who do you, uh, do you remember who you originally thought it was? No, I, when I first bought it, I genuinely like, I just did not know who did it. I thought perhaps it was the scientist because so like you know like when benoit blanc points out like how stupid everything has been i thought i can't solve it because it's so smart so it has to be the politician or the scientist but instead it's actually so stupid that it's miles i thought it was katherine han the the politician yeah at the beginning because i don't know if it was done on purpose or not but she bumps into dave bautista right before he starts uh, gagging. Mm, mm, mm. So I thought it was like a, a slip into the cup or something like that. There was only one time. I think actually, you know, it was crazy. I took a big shot in the dark. When Whiskey reveals herself to be pretty intelligent, I go, how sick would it be if it was her? <laughs> 
And I that was my like shot in the dark. No way it's ever gonna happen. And that's the strength I think of Knives Out and any other like really good whodunit when it seems like it could be any character. I mean, Knives Out is the better one. I do like the funny take that Glass Onion takes. That was going to be my next question, actually. Yeah. Knives Out or Glass Onion, which one is the better one? I haven't seen Knives Out in a while. Knives Out does have its comedy, but it's more subtle. It's not as heavy-handed. But I'm going to be honest with you, I watched Glass Onion again. I kind of want to watch it again. Like, I, I really had a good time with it. Yeah, I agree, because I don't vividly remember knives out and seeing glass onion this morning i know that definitely knives out is probably much more intricate and i definitely don't remember like the minuscule things but i remember who's the killer and everything else but if i had to put one over the other i definitely would put knives out over glass onion but i feel like they're both very fun movies do we have anything else to really say about no i i just say ed norton does a great job uh it's a shame that i heard he's an a-hole to like every one of his castmates so i never heard that one but i i could see it yeah, he's just too good. Rounders, still his best performance for me. American History X for me. Oh, I've seen clips of that. That's good. All right, so final thoughts and ratings. I'll go first. Uh, Glass Onion is a super fun film. If you're looking for a really good whodunit, this is this is the people who done it. It's got really fun characters, really witty writing. It's really funny. Knives Out is better than it. It's not perfect. Had the entire building blow up and nobody got hurt. Yeah, that's, that's a big problem with the movie. That's, that's all I have. <laughs> but I would say I'd give it a four out of five. I think in the modern world of movies, murder, mystery, and whodunits are so difficult to write just because of technological limits and, uh, you know, technology playing a role. It's really nice to see an old-fashioned whodunit, but with a modern twist and spin. And also done in a fun way. I really love Benoit Blanc, and I love Daniel Craig's performance of him. I like that it's funny. It's really tough because I kind of want to give this movie a five out of five, personally. Because I liked it better the second time so much. But who's watching? I don't report to anybody but me. So we're just going to give it a 5 out of 5. Let's go. It's how you feel. Yeah, it's how I feel. You know what? I'm feeling a 5 today. And What's funny is I I went to Letterboxd as soon as this end, yeah. as soon as the movie ended. Because I know that um, Eddie, he saw it a while back. And he said it wasn't as good as Knives Out. So I was curious what other people thought. And people were giving like 2s and 3s. And I'm like what why well then if people are giving twos and threes i must disagree and give it a great rating <laughs> oh contrary in me to reddit we go to reddit we go uh i can't wait to write um glass onion will be better than anything agatha christie has ever written <laughs> 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 just watch reddit explode and after the break we will be talking about an agatha christie uh, inspired story a haunting in venice picture this you're in a stadium it's quiet why you're watching women's basketball you're slowly nodding off teams are playing back and forth back and forth you begin to fall asleep it's the most excitement in the game you falling asleep will he drop the phone will he drop the soda there's only one problem you snore it's going to interrupt the flow it's going to be louder than the announcer louder than the people playing nobody will be able to hear or see anything we at snore no more have developed a product that will help you never snore again snore no more that's right this one easy to use pill and latch on our signature rubber band that's right the snore no more rubber band wrap it around your nose as tight as you possibly can guaranteed as long as nobody else in the room sleeping with you you will never snore again you'll never hear it it'll never happen are you tired of going to women's 
basketball events, ruining everything with your loud, obnoxious snoring because nothing else is happening, nothing exciting, we can put an end to it today. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you buy this handy dandy rubber band and pill. The product 100% works. Sabrina Ionescu, Brianna Stewart, Kelsey Plum, Candace Parker, Aja Wilson, Diana Taurasi, Alyssa Thomas. Yes, all those famous women basketball players that I just made up that you're going to have to Google to know whether I'm kidding or not. Call today. Sign up today. The lines are open, more open than the vacancy at women's basketball seating. SeatGeek is giving away tickets for free when you buy Snore No More at $10. Come today. Let's put snoring to rest. This episode is powered and sponsored by Fortway Media. Whether it's a special event, your wedding day, or maybe a small business looking to make an advertisement or commercial, Fortway Media is the obvious choice. They turn everyday life into a cinematic experience. When you want to capture those special moments, look no further. Stop what you're doing. Check out fortwaymedia.com. Book an appointment today and don't miss out on another chance to get what you want in front of the big screen. Whether it is expert videography or photography, Fortway Media can match exactly what you're looking for. Fortway Media is known for helping out small businesses and everyone reach their dreams. Sign up today. And we're back. And before we hop into a haunting in Venice, let's talk about this week's what if. And since we talked a lot about Daniel Craig earlier, let's talk about who could have played James Bond in 2007. Could have been Hugh Jackman. That's just, my mind is just like, like if if my head's still attached, it's crazy because that's just a, I don't know, what such a wild thought. So that would have been like pre-Logan Hugh Jackman, pre-Real Steel Hugh Jackman, right after maybe The Prestige. Can Hugh Jackman be cool? Because I know he can be angry. I know he can be tough. I know he can be heartfelt. But can he be cool? I think if he slicks back his hair. Because James Bond as a character, and I've studied a lot of James Bond faces, so it's a character I love. There's a... His face has to be a certain way. Let me look up Hugh Jackman's face. 2007. All right, here's Hugh Jackman. Is that James Bond? Bring it, bring it down a bit. Oh. Yeah, right there. Is that James Bond? No, no, no. You, you did it again. Right? I don't care about the people. I care about you. <laughs> I can see it through the screen. <laughs> right, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Like, he's too nice. Yeah. He has to kill people. He has to save the world. How, like, could Halle Berry and this guy get together? I don't think so. <laughs> Or you're trying to make uh, Die Another Day a thing. Die Another Day, one of the best to do it. The Die Another Day would have been better with Hugh Jackman at the helm. That, is that would actually have been Wolverine and Storm back at it again. Speaking of uh, Hugh Jackman, do you know that uh, he just divorced his wife? Who's his wife? Uh, some other lady. Oh, she's old as hell. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, they met on like one of his first movies in Australia. I don't think Hugh Jackman can do Bond, but if Hugh Jackman ever heard this, he'd probably just slap me. So, Hey, if Hugh Jackman is listening to the podcast, yeah. we know we did something right. That's right. It would not have been the Daniel Craig James Bond. I think we would have gotten a return of a Pierce Brosnan kind of James Bond where there was a campiness to it. Yeah. It's this smile. If Daniel Craig can't smile like this. Look, look, this no is results the, found. This is the closest thing he has to a smile. Look at this. <laughs> This closest smile. Daniel Craig has been beaten in his life. I'm just convinced. This man has been hurt. This is the closest thing we have to a smile. And now we're going to talk about A Haunting in Venice, directed and starring Kenneth Branagh, also starring Kyle Allen, Camille Cotton, Jamie Dornan, Tina Fey, Jude Hill, 
Ali Khan, Emma Laird, Kelly Riley, Ricardo Scamarchio, and Michelle Yeoh. A Haunting in Venice follows Hercule Perot, famous detective who is now retired and stepping away from the limelight as a detective, is invited to a haunted palazzo where a spirit medium will be there. He's invited by one of his writer friends to go and see for himself whether or not this medium is who she says she is. And eventually, as things go wrong, as they always do in these murder mystery movies, somebody dies, and so Hercule Perot must use his detective skills to figure out who done it. And that's what this movie is about. I'd just like to start off with how this, I don't know if you uh, you got to see this during your children yelling situation. <laughs> Which is becoming a ritual, like a, like a ceremony at this point. I'm just yeah. going to yell at somebody, yeah. The beginning starts out with it saying, a haunting in Venice, and then the next shot, the immediate next shot, it has a shot of Venice, and it says, subtitles, Venice. <laughs> like, no shit. <laughs> really? I didn't yeah. know this was going to take place in Venice. In 1940... 1947? Yeah. Okay. So pre uh, post-World War II? Yeah. But initial first thoughts. I don't know. I, I struggle with this series a lot because I liked Murder on the Orient Express. Correct. I did not like Death on a Nile. Thought it was just okay. And this one, I thought it was somewhere in the middle. Thought it was better than Nile. I thought it was slightly better than Nile. Thought it was worse. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I really don't know. I'm seeing it raw, so I'm still yeah. processing. You know what I don't like about Death on the Nile? It's very tough to figure out. And I think a uh, whodunit for me. I care more about how hard is it to figure out something, with the um, caveat that you can still solve it if you're smart. Mm-hmm. I think what bothered me about haunting, uh, haunting in Venice is I, li- I was done in 30 minutes. Like. She did it. This is why. Bang, bang, bang. I got who did it. I just didn't have the reason no, I just had, yet. I had it all. all Let's start with the positives here. What worked in this film? The first 40 minutes. The setup was a little rushed, but that it needs to be. We don't need to be hanging out with the kids that long. I like that how he uncovered all the medium's tricks. And then the medium starts to become a little bit real as things get a little wild and crazy. The one theme about this movie of towing the line between of ghosts and real versus detective and sleuth work, like which one of those, I really like that uh, throughout the movie. And I thought that the beginning of the movie did a really good job with having the medium. I actually kind of wished the medium didn't die. I was just about to say that. I think Michelle Yeoh does a really good job and it's kind of wasted that she, spoiler alert, doesn't stay in the movie for too long and i think if she made it to the ending it would be that much more powerful to have that dynamic between her and and perot yeah and maybe a little bit cheesy but at the end of like perot slowly believing that maybe she is who she says she is Mm -hmm. and then her also admitting that yeah not everything i do is actually legit and it's funny that we paired these two films together because while i was in line today the couple behind me was talking about glass onion Oh, interesting. What were they saying about it? They as were you just were listening. Uh, um, the guy else. was saying, yeah, as I was eavesdropping, <laughs> yeah. the guy was saying that he really enjoyed Glass Onion, and he said that is the more comic version of what this is. I think he was trying to explain it to the girl, and uh, she thought it was going to be like a scary movie. Mm. Had a few jump scares, not overwhelming. Not the nun too, but definitely no. not insidious levels either. Um, <laughs> I will say I did like how it was a little bit more dark, not just visually speaking, because I was kind of annoyed of how I could just never figure out how this building is set up. The visuals were really great. The cinematography was beautiful, which is why I think I'm sort of annoyed with it. Why I like Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Expect is 
express more is because you really get a they show you everything and so you really have an understanding of where everything is and where we are and haunting you felt way more lost which adds to the theme and i get that eh, i don't know we were just in hallways nah, and stuff. i think like a strong whodunit you should know the layout of the place because if we're there are so many different kinds of whodunits but if we're thinking like traditional agatha christie like in a, a mansion butler you know a bunch of guests invited and someone dies and then there's a detective and everything else and the whole movie takes place in that mansion mansion you should know where everything is and the fact that you don't i would say takes off a point for me yeah and i think that's what hurts me about this movie it just feels like we're jumping from place to place with no context and i was worried that that was going to happen in glass onion towards the beginning because there was it's such a large complex to cover and like figuring out where everything is it, i kind of felt that was going to happen but then i started like seeing how everything fits in especially when they take you the second time around right and they also keep it to just a few places Mm -hmm. a haunting in venice we're really all over the place i did like the addition of the supernatural aspect but to a certain extent because as you said what a whodunit like the fun is in in understanding what happened and if you're always able to figure it out that's a weak whodunit but if you could like see how it could happen and you can go with it and you can understand it at the end, that's a really great whodunit. But if you get to the point where there's like supernatural ghosts involved and stuff like that, it kind of takes the fun out of it where it's like nobody would have guessed that, but also like it's not real. So it's like, uh... Hard to say. Yeah, yeah. So there are some themes that I enjoyed. I wish they would have played around with them a little bit more. What would have really been cool is, and you feel that sort of from Tina Fey, it's about the people like they begin to turn on our detective. Mm -hmm. would have been really good is if he's and now he is fighting the supernatural things that are going on but it's not really the supernatural we learn why later but what have really been interesting is to see the whole group begin to turn on him and really believe in this like hysteria well that's why i like the supernatural aspect to a certain extent yeah because it gives that unreliable narrator unreliable main yeah. character kind of vibe to it but with michelle yo there as we just mentioned if she's there that adds to the hysteria and the belief of that that would have been great and him really fighting back not only is he trying to solve a murder mystery like he's trying to convince these people like there's more going on who's your favorite character out of the film the kid is dope as hell are, are the young kid in this movie i thought he did a good job really good job uh he's creepy the whole way through and uh messed up a little bit at the end bye dad <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back later. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. <laughs> uh, my favorite is definitely Michelle Yeoh. I think she steals all the scenes that she's in. Also, it was another film that, like, outside of maybe the movie poster, I don't think I've seen the trailer for this. And I just mm. uh, went in clean, and I didn't realize she was in it. So I was surprised by that, and I really liked her. Everybody else seems to just be not so great. So that's, that's the Every character in some sort of fashion feels a little flat it feels a little dull like except the war-torn character i liked him the brother and sister were so bad did not enjoy them at all i thought the maid was pretty good the housekeeper the guy being upset about the love he does an okay job too yeah Eh, nobody's really stealing any show besides michelle what's not working in this film yeah i mean i figured it out in 30 minutes (laughs) uh it's a big problem for me I don't like that everything's dark and I can't figure it and I can't see anything. I don't like, and I start to realize this more and more about murder mysteries, but it's really just talking to people. And all of the stuff that's supposed to be exciting is not that exciting. And if she just kills him in the end, I think that's a really stupid, like just kill him and it's over. You win. Nobody's solving this mystery. I think it was kind of like a weak thing where he was drowned and then he's just immediately back. 
Um, but yeah, I just found it very like circumstantial that he was drowned. He's not moving. Should have died, but then he doesn't. It's annoying. I mean, you're already one foot, like two feet in. Just keep going. Right. Just like finish the job. Some of the stuff seems tacked on where it's like it's checking off a list of what to do and a whodunit. It's not necessarily doing it. Yeah. My big thing is like she they say in the movie, oh, she realized she's killing the wrong person. So she stops. The woman drugged her. Spoiler. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Wait a minute. The famous detective who's here, the only person who could probably figure it out. Oh no, I shouldn't kill him. What are you doing? Murder him on the spot. <laughs> you should be like, oh wait, it wasn't her. I got the detective. Yes, let's go. That's a win. Boring is the right word. Like I sat there and I was, I was thinking about just the series in general and hearing about the hype behind this film. And I was like, I'm kind of bored though. Like, it just seems like it just goes. Like, it's, it's on its own, like, kind of, like, yeah. pace. I may have to watch this again at home and see how I feel about it. So I don't have anybody to yell at uh, besides my fiance. Um, We're talking all about whodunits. Before we hop into the rating for uh, Haunting in Venice and keeping everybody on their toes, we haven't done one of these in a while. How about top five whodunits? You want to go first or second? I just want to know if Zodiac can be on the list. Zodiac could be on the list. Okay, then I know my list. All right. <laughs> How about I go first? Because you always get like, I always make you go first. And then yeah. you're like, fuck, I forgot this movie even <laughs> yeah. existed. Yeah, 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 you have to go. All right, so I'll go first. So okay. um, in no particular order, I'm going to go with the original Scream, uh, Clue, and then there were none, the 1930s version, Knives Out, and Who Done It with Abbott and Costello. Mine, no particular order, Zodiac, Seven, Knives Out, and then there were none. And who framed Roger Rabbit? I think it's a nice children's whodunit. Throw it in there. I wouldn't even have thought of that one. And your your list is such a... I feel like you now. I'm like, damn, man, I should have went back. That's why, dude, you can't go first <laughs> in these things. People mention stuff. You're like, wow, what a good movie. Speaking of which, let's go for final thoughts and ratings. You can go first. Uh, I think, and this genuinely... I, you're not going to have to edit much for this, and I hate to say it because there's not a lot to say about A Haunting in Venice because it's a very, very bland and basic whodunit. And it's a shame to say because I think I wanted a little bit more, especially because I did like Murder on the Orient Express. I kind of liked Death on the Nile. I didn't think it was fantastic. I just thought it was good. And I was expecting more from A Haunting in Venice. Unfortunately, I did solve it pretty quickly, which I think ruins the appeal of the movie. And you know it's her, you know who the killer is for two reasons. One, they never interview her. They forget about her constantly. But everybody keeps bringing her up, being weird and shady. But she's got a good front. Like, that's the obvious sign that this person is the killer. That being said, with some forgettable characters and the best character dying off really quickly, how harsh am I going to be today? Is it a three or a two? I'm sitting over here just thinking, how am I not going to copy and paste this man's entire review? Because it's word for word what I wanted to say. So you can just repeat the same thing, and that's totally fine. Uh, the power of first finally comes in clutch. That's what that's what's so bad about this movie. You're like, that's every, yeah, this is just not a good movie. I thought last night it was a three. We talked about it today. Now I'm feeling like it's a two. We're going, giving it a two. My God. And yeah, I think basic is definitely the word for this film. I just think nothing nothing changed the game in this. And I feel like with a whodunit, you need to do something interesting. And not enough interesting things were done, 
especially with its most interesting character again leaving so early um i think it's not something that i want i want to go back and watch it's not something that i want to dissect it's not something that even like surprised me too much when they reveal what's happening it just seems tacked on it seems like you know it wasn't one of agatha christie's stronger uh books ironically because uh tina fey's character is a novelist and she has some failing books and that's what Agatha Christie's Halloween party was. It wasn't a, a, a popular success. It was a very mid film, a very average. It's the mid of the mid, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the mid of the mid, I think you're two. And yeah, I was stuck between a two and a three and really just like talking about it made me hate it a little bit more. So I'm going to give it a two. Let's go, buddy. Yes. Well, welcome to the hater tap. Come to this side. Three? You really gotta respect threes now. Two? If you get a two, it's, it's not nice. Three is fine art. <laughs> Barbie was a three. Uh, so, so. <laughs> this has been an episode of Take Three or Three. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, you'll notice my height will change periodically. Nick will fix it in the edit. Thank you, Nick. Make sure you're following us at Take.303 on Instagram. All right, this week's poll question of the week is out of the Perot series, which is Murder on the Orient Express death on the nile and now haunting in venice which of those three are your favorite obviously if you've only seen one we definitely want you to do the poll just click the one you've seen or better yet do a bob pick the one you haven't seen and just know that it's better and then this week's uh question of the week is what is your favorite Who done it? maybe it's and then there were none maybe it's memento maybe you want to fight for something that's we don't consider Who done it, but you do let us know in the comment section below